Hey y'all, it's Maddie K from EA. We are back on Erase the State for another week of glorious content, and I couldn't be more excited to have this week's guest on. The artist formerly known as Professor De La Paz, currently known as Dogman Respector. Paz, what's up, brother? Hey, how's it going, man? Thanks for uh, getting me on. It's an honor to be on the show. Well, we are very excited to have you here. I only wish my co-host could be here to join us, but he is in the wilds of West Texas in what is probably Chupacabra territory. Um, so it's just you and I, but that's okay because I've wanted to get you on for a long time because I like the weird shit and you always bring the weird shit. Um, and we like to make people think, even though this is not necessarily thinking about the government, of course, uh, we could probably get into that too. Um, I think you're going to bring some stuff to people's attention that they might not know about and, and make them kind of step back and go, huh? So, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your current project and, uh, what you'd like to do with that? Yeah. So my number one fascination, well, I've always been into all this weird, spooky, fringy kind of stuff, like you're saying, but when I moved to the area of Wisconsin that I'm currently living in, I discovered that they've got a local cryptid that's actually quite famous. It's the Beast of Bray Road. Now, a lot of people might not know it by that name, but a lot of people might be familiar, if they're into this sort of thing, with the Michigan Dogman. And that's what this is. It's Wisconsin's Dogman. And being the fan of overnight radio that I am, and having worked third shift for several years since I started living here, I started hearing more and more stories of this. And especially, it must have been back around 2013 or so, sightings of this creature around the country really started picking up steam. So I got it in my head, because I loved Coast to Coast AM so much, because I loved Midnight in the Desert so much, hey, why don't I just go looking for this dog man and try and find it myself? You know, I'm a naturally curious guy. The truth or the nature of reality is something that's really important to me. So I figured, hey, I can put in the research. I can do some looking. And, you know, there's no guarantee there's even anything to find. But if something's out there, why not actually dedicate some time to looking for it? And that's sure. kind of where I'm at. You know, I am a actual dog man hunter. So, <laughs> so that that's the project. So how much hunting have you been able to get done? Because you work a full-time job, right? I do, yes. So it, it, is the dog man nocturnal? Um, are you still working third shift? How, how does all that work out? So my hours during my day job are pretty flexible right now. The only mandatory hours I have are in the late afternoon and early evening. It's a uh, sales position. Gotcha. So I need to be available when most other people aren't working for that. But as far as that goes, I've been out in the field probably four or five times now. And I really wish I had a sighting to report. I <laughs> wish I'd put my eyes on it myself. And I just, I haven't yet. You know, it's a long-term project. There's plenty of time for that. So, you know, that's still in the works. I'm still out there in uh, state parks looking for it primarily. But uh, to your point about it being nocturnal, most of the sightings are overnight. You'll see it as early as dusk or as late as sunup. But to the best of my knowledge, I've never seen or read or heard a report of it being seen in broad daylight. 
Okay. So maybe we should take this back a little bit. Why don't you tell our listeners what, so you've mentioned, right? It's sort of like the beast of Bray road. It's, it's Wisconsin's dog man, right? So what exactly is the dog man? Is this, is this a werewolf or is this sort of like a, like a hybrid man dog? So for the people who are completely new to it and have absolutely no idea, the dog man is not a werewolf. And that's a very important distinction, actually. So it's good that you bring it up. It is legitimately a sort of hybrid creature. Now, what you want to kind of picture in your head here is picture a dog standing on its hind legs. And it's just extremely tall and extremely burly. And now instead of a dog's chest, it's something closer to a little bit of a man's chest. But uh, other than that, it's functionally identical to a dog, you know, with the recurved legs, with the paws, a full snout on it. Um, The fur color has been known to vary just from story to story to story. The eyes always seem to be either red or black. Okay. So is that sort and of they like are a... freakishly strong? Okay. So are the eyes more, I guess, you know, luminescent? Are they just catching light, and and that's what's causing the red, or are they actually colored red? So you only have witness stories to go on, and so there's only so much reliable information on that. Mm-hmm. My theory or my opinion on the matter is that it's probably. Um, a sort of luminescence effect, like you see with a lot of other animal eyes. Sure. But there's no way to really know for sure at this point. Okay. So how tall a creature are we talking here? Is this something that's like man-sized, like, you know, five to six feet, or is it like eight feet? So most reported stories, most encounters a person could go and hear about somewhere are going to have it being somewhere from about six and a half to as big as eight feet tall. Okay. So it can go anywhere from being slightly bigger than a big person to being like truly a monster size, you know? Gotcha. So how far back do these sightings go? Is this sort of like a Native American thing or are there any legends about this? Or is it, is it purely modern in, in uh, its sightings? So that's where it gets a little bit interesting, right? This is what I like. There are stories and very apocryphal tales of French fur traders, which were the first Europeans in Wisconsin, having seen weird, spooky stuff. And also French Canadians, you know, the first Cajuns before they moved to Louisiana were settling in Canada. Right. And uh, they called it the Rougarou. Mm-hmm. which is what some people have taken to be like another kind of werewolf. But those stories also line up pretty similarly with Dogman sightings. Interesting. And credit to our friend Jackson on uh, Twitter mm-hmm. for actually helping me find some Canadian sighting stories that predate most North American sightings. Okay. Wow. So now fast forward from that the very first modern sightings and appearances really started picking up steam in the 1930s and 40s, where there were sightings by a night shift guard at a mental institution here in Wisconsin. 
and he saw something digging on an old Indian burial mound one night that was on the back of this institution's property. And when he went looking at it and shined a flashlight on it, that's when we had the first modern sighting of one of these giant dogman creatures. Now, after that, he saw it on back-to-back nights, and then never again. Did and he then see there it? was sort of a dearth so, of sightings before it cropped up in Michigan in the 50s. That's where the Michigan dogman comes from, sightings there in the mid-50s. Okay. And then the whole thing, the whole phenomenon goes silent again until the late 80s when it starts cropping up again here in Wisconsin. So where was this first sighting again? Let me get an exact town name for you, but it was here in Wisconsin. Okay. So it was Wisconsin, then Michigan, then back to Wisconsin? Yes, correct. Okay. So is there is there any connection to the Indian burial mound? Well, you ask a really interesting question there. And well, I want maybe to a, say... Maybe a sub-question is it is it actually a burial mound or is it just part of the mound builder culture? That one specifically was in fact a burial mound. Okay. But there have been other sightings around um, non-burial mounds. There have specifically in uh, Aztalan State Park here in Wisconsin. Okay. Those are non-burial mounds where there have been you know a few dogman sightings. I think three total over the years. Sure. But whether or not there is a connection. I want to lean into this a little bit and say that there is just because of the sheer velocity or not velocity volume rather of high strangeness occurrences that consistently crop up around Indian mounds of any variety. So what sort of occurrences would those be? Let's delve into that a little bit because I want to, I want to, I know you love the dog man, but, there's so many weird and creepy and spooky things as we head into spooky season here that uh, that we could discuss. So uh, please continue on the weird shit that occurs around Indian mounds, burial or otherwise. Yeah, well, see, this is where things do get really weird, right? You'll find that that's where people are reporting Bigfoot encounters besides just the woods. Hmm. Like I said, that's where people are reporting dogman encounters. People see UFOs in a... um. I should say you're more likely to encounter a UFO within the vicinity of one. There have been studies that the magnetic field around these mounds has been disrupted or that it's atypical compared to other parts of the region, like there's some sort of disturbance. And finally, one of my favorite pet connections, and this one's super wild, there's also all sorts of stories going back through history of giants being buried in the mounds. So it's like these structures are just um, figurative magnets, and in some case, possibly literal magnets, for weird stories and occurrences, and no one can really say why. So these magnetic disturbances around the mounds, is that that a function of the mounds themselves being built? Or do you think that there was already a disturbance there and some sort of... uh, I don't know, like like a vortex, you know, you hear that, or like an energy field that's already drawing people to that location to sure, uh, to do something. Sure. And that's that's super interesting. 
And I have to say that comes down to a chicken or the egg type of question. Right. But I have to believe that they are probably built on pre-existing anomalous areas. And uh, I only say that based on the fact that, you know, there's not really any reason to think that whatever culture built them could have necessarily known how to manipulate the magnetic field of the earth. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Sure. There's no real reason to believe or think that. But if they had some way to just feel the difference in the air, I guess, or some way to detect it, however primitive or advanced it could have been, it would have been easy enough to find them and then just build where they found anomalies for whatever cultural reason they would have. Sure, sure. So, you know, we we have mounds uh, down here in Texas. Clearly there are mounds uh, up in your neck of the woods. What other sort of a, what what sort of sightings occur around the country and even throughout Canada? I would assume there are mounds in Canada as well. What other sort of sightings occur around the mounds? Uh, any other sort of spooky shit that goes down? Can you delve into that a little bit? Yeah, as far as other sightings, it really just comes down to them being, you know, virtual, like I keep saying, magnets for UFO sightings and flaps. It's really whatever local creature or boogeyman or legend you have in your area, mm -hmm. you're just more likely to see it at the mounds if you have mounds in your area. Okay. So... Does that make sense? No, no, it, it definitely does. So, you know, you, you've mentioned Bigfoot or Big Feet or Big Fi or whatever the fuck we're going to call it. Bigfootses, whatever yeah. you want to call them. Yeah. Them. Um, our, our large, hairy cousins or whatever they may be. So, if Indian mounds are possibly indicative of pre-existing energy fluctuations, if you will, and Bigfoot sightings are increased around burial mounds, as well as other sightings, are, would you say that these types of beings, whether they're cryptids or, or something else, would they have a higher propensity of being possibly like, you know, interdimensional type beings or, or something like that? Or do you think these are native see, to our current world as we know it? See, that gets into the real hot button issue of sort of all cryptid and cryptozoology theory, right? <clears throat> well, this is this is the show for hot button issues. Yeah. So <laughs> you, you have to start wondering, you know, are they flesh and blood creatures? You know, is there some biological entity that we just haven't discovered? We find new species of fish deep in the ocean, you know, almost every single day. Right. So who's to say something isn't still wandering around on land that we just don't know about? On the other hand, there's also the people who do think these creatures are – that they exist on Earth but are normally outside of the perceivable human range, Right. Sure. So you hear about certain animals that can see more of the visible light spectrum than we can. Sure. Or they can smell so much more efficiently than we can or hear so much more of the uh, frequency spectrum than we can. So there's people who hypothesize that these creatures exist outside of our perceivable range as humans and that whether it's atmosp atmospheric – fluctuations 
or whatever else it may be. Sometimes the conditions are just right for them to be able to slip into the human's perceivable range. So those are kind of two schools of thought, that they are here and we just can't perceive them under ordinary conditions, that they're here, that they're flesh and blood creatures, and they're just really good at hiding from us. There's also obviously the skeptic school, that they don't exist at all. And then, as you alluded to, there's also the really far out there theory that they exist in some other dimension or world and that there's rifts or vortexes mm -hmm. that they can cross through under X, Y, or Z conditions. So is there anything else that would you know, sort of heighten the chances of seeing these, if these are possibly interdimensional beings, right? Or they operate on a different light spectrum or, or whatever. Um, you know, aside from being around these energy fluctuations across the earth, are there certain, you know, like the witching hour, certain times of day, uh, certain times of the month, certain times of the year that you're more likely to see these? Yeah. So the famed anomalist and Fortean researcher, John Keel, mm -hmm. actually did a deep, deep analysis of when people were most likely to see UFOs. And he also did a deep dive um, on what he called window areas or places that made it more likely to see these things. And I think that there is certainly something to that, but to narrow it down with cryptids, you'd have a hard time because no one's really done the research with that yet. Sure. Um, sure. Just from, I should say, collecting and looking at dogman sightings specifically, to go back to that for a second, mm -hmm. it seems like you're most likely to see it at dusk and in the fall or the spring as opposed to the winter or the summer. So okay. I have no doubt that there is um, times where that sort of – veil lifts if you want to get spooky about it a little mm -hmm. bit but to say that there's hard and fast rules if there are we don't know what they are yet okay let's let's stick with the dog man for this one where where do you come down on this are do you think it's of our world and it's just a, an undiscovered being do you think it does operate you know on our plane but at, at a different wavelength or do you think they are from somewhere else or interdimensional not not necessarily from from a d another planet but are are they inter interdimensional beings sure so as much as i've made it a component of my internet brand mm -hmm. i'm actually super agnostic on the true nature of it okay you know as much as i love these stories and i love telling them and i love hearing them and i love talking about them i have very specifically decided not to make up my mind until I have a very good reason to believe one camp or theory of it. So if you put a gun to my head and tell me which one is it, told me to decide right now, I'd say that it's probably something outside of our perceivable spectrum. And I come to that conclusion just because I haven't seen any evidence of tracks or there doesn't seem to be any sort of migratory pattern to the sightings outside of them also happening to appear quite often around bodies of water or at okay. least relatively near them. 
there's no reason necessarily to think it's a flesh and blood creature to this point. Though that's also part of the reason I'm out looking for it because sure. I want to find that evidence if it does exist. So I'll, I want to put a pin in the bodies of water for a second, but that kind of led me to my next question. Is there any sort of sign that's reported? Um, any tracks that are reported with the dog? Man? We, obviously, you know, there's tons of, you know, supposed evidence of, of the Bigfoot, Sasquatch, whatever. Um, some of it is, has a little bit more veracity than others. But is there anything that's ever been recovered from a dogman sighting? Yeah, see, that's the thing. There, to this point, hasn't really. But one of my very favorite dogman stories was the tale of a deer hunter who was getting ready to leave uh, his hunting area for the day, right? He'd already bagged a doe or a buck or whatever he'd gotten. Sure. And... He tells this story about a dog man straight up taking the deer carcass out of the back of his truck and then looking at him like he was daring the hunter to do something about it. <laughs> but, you know, that story, that man's account, he doesn't mention tracks or anything. He sure. just mentions the thing literally jacking his kill <laughs> and taking off with it. Interesting. Yeah. So, but, so but you know, that... it might be easy to dismiss, oh, this is obviously just a crazy guy. Right. But at the same time, you know, he seemed perfectly sane in every other aspect. You know, sure. no one's called the story into veracity based on his mental health. He's just completely certain that a giant dog-shaped being took a deer from him. And then bowed up to him. Yeah. So, I guess in that case, I mean, is there... You know, he's he's feet away from this thing, so mistaken identity is not necessarily likely, but any chance it could be, you know, a bear, a large cat somewhere, or, or was it for sure a dog on two legs? See, that's the thing. I think that if we want to be as reasonable as a person can mm -hmm. in these sort of circumstances, you have to leave room for the pop. Uh, possibility of it being a bear. Sure. Right? That said, based on reported details of the thing and of other dogman sightings, they don't sound similar to a bear. Sure. And if you're any kind of woodsman, you're going to know what a bear looks like, generally speaking. And if you have a dog at home, you know, for all our listeners who are dog people, you've seen enough pictures of a bear to know that bears don't have that sort of recurved leg like dogs right. do. And that's a very distinctive trait between the two animals. So, yeah, I think we have to leave room for the possibility. But I'm not so sure that that's super feasible in the context of this story. And okay. obviously the person who reported it doesn't think so either. Gotcha. When people have seen these things, are they moving or are they stationary? A lot of times what will happen is the creature will spot a person and mm -hmm. stop to look at them or the person will spot one moving before it then sees them in return. Okay. But this is also something that makes the dog man fairly unique around um, among cryptids. A lot of these sort of fantastical creatures go out of their way to hide from people and to minimize the possibility of being seen. Mm -hmm. But this one in particular, the dog man, whether it be in Wisconsin or Michigan or any of the other places they've been sighted, they 
seem to show no fear around people to the point where they will stare down a person who happens to see them. You know, these things have, uh, I don't know how you feel about profanity on your show here, but they've got that big dick energy, you know? Like, they're not afraid to look you in the the eye and big dick you. So So, that actually makes them fairly unique. So are are they normally bipedal or are they quadrupedal and only bipedal when necessary? Like when expressing the big dick energy on a hunter and stealing his, his quarry. Yeah. So they seem like they are probably primarily quadrupedal in their movement preference. Okay. But that they are dexterous enough that they are able to move bipedally as long as they might need to. Okay. When these have been seen, are they always on two legs or have they ever been seen on four legs and then, you know, maybe they stand up or, you know, what, what yes. happens next? Yeah. So they have, there are stories and reports of them moving around on four legs as you'd expect from any sort of dog creature. And then when they see either a person or they sense that they've been spotted, that's when they'll sort of rear up, stand up, and start flexing on you. Gotcha. You know, but uh, it doesn't seem, at least from the stories and reports that I've been exposed to, it doesn't sound like they're wobbly or that it's an unnatural condition for them. They seem comfortable on two legs. Okay. Interesting. And, and you've said in, in your searches, you've been unlucky so far in finding any evidence, right? Yeah, yeah. And I kind of expected to be when I rolled this whole thing out. You know, mm-hmm. I wasn't naive enough to think that I could just go camping one weekend and see the thing right away. Sure. It's certainly something that's going to require a lot of time investment. And, you know, I haven't seen anything to this point, but I'm still, I think the correct word is hopeful. Sure. You know, I'm still reserving a lot of hope that I can be theoretically the one who can get to the bottom of this. And that is the end goal here to find out the truth, whatever that truth might be. How about any other sightings in your, in your travels and in your searches? Have you come across anything else that's particularly weird and spooky while you're out there? Man, I wish, I wish I've got a lot of friends who claim to be in touch with their sixth sense. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people personally, you know, firsthand ghost stories and whatnot. But I myself have never reported anything creepier than extremely frequent deja vu. I do have quite a bit of deja vu. And I have one out-of-body experience on my rap sheet. Ooh. But I've never seen anything super creepy with my own two eyes. Okay. So any, anything super important about the dog man before we shift gears again? You know, unless you've got anything more you want me to say about it, I think we've covered the biggest stuff, you know, okay. where you're likely to see it, what it looks like, etc. Cetera, et so, cetera. so tell me about this out of body experience. Okay, sure. So it would have been, it must've been about in the middle, middle end of 2017. Okay. Right. Because I was still doing security work at the time. And uh, my shifts started at midnight and ran till 8 a.m. Okay. Spooky time. That's good. Yeah. I'm at home and it must have been about 1030 or so. 
and I drifted off for a very short nap before I had to go drive into work. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I'm standing over my own sleeping form, and I can feel myself grab my own shoulders, shake myself awake, and say, you have to go to work. And it was only after I finished saying this that I snapped awake and realized, oh, shit, I'm about to be late. I need to get in my car right now. Hmm. So a person could just chalk that up to a dream, obviously. But what makes me skeptical of it being a dream was the very real sensation of contact. You know, I could feel myself. You could feel yourself grabbing yourself. Right, and there's not that tactile sensation in a dream. Right. Huh. So has that ever, has that happened since? Did it it ever happen before anything like that? No, just a completely isolated incident, and that's what makes it wild, right? That's weird. How how long were you asleep, roughly? It must have been right about an hour and 15 minutes. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's kind of wild. Sorry, yeah, just a little, a little diversion with that one. I kind of like, you know, stuff like that. Sure. And I, I really think it's fascinating, too, because you have um, a lot of other people with stories like that. You know, out-of-body yeah. phenomenon is way more common than people think it is. Sure. So, I don't know. Have, have you ever, have you explored that and tried to make that happen again? Or have you, you know, kind of focused energy on delving more into that? Yeah, so if you want to sort of get into like the lucid dreaming adjacent stuff, I haven't really put any effort into it myself. I know that there are other people in our space who have. Sure. And I'm not going to name drop there because unless they're comfortable talking about it, you know, it's their own thing. Right. But there are certainly people out there who do it, and it's definitely a trainable skill. But I haven't devoted the effort into doing it personally, no. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm tired enough to take on any other projects that would be a little a little onerous to try and do something like that. Working while I'm sleeping is not really my thing, so. Well, sure, but the good news is it's something you can literally train while you are sleeping, though. Sure, sure. You know, unlike a lot of other stuff. Right. I want to get back to the the water thing, right? You mentioned that a lot of these beings and cryptids are are frequently seen near or around bodies of water. Tell me a little bit about, and I'm an, I don't know what it's called. There have been these disappearances, right? Um, yeah. In is it, is it public parks, national parks, and frequently this is a, around or near bodies of water. Is that correct? Yeah. So you're probably alluding to or gesturing at the missing four one one project, right? David Politis and his more, research, more or less. Yes. And I've heard you speak a little bit about this a few different times, but. I'm interested. So why don't you why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about this? Yeah. So there's a gentleman named David Politis, and he's got a background in law enforcement and search and rescue. And he started identifying all these super strange and legitimately unexplainable disappearances in national parks. And so he has spent his time researching them, why they're happening, how they're happening, and what the common victim patterns are. And now to keep things kind of brief for the sake of the answer, he has identified the patterns and used the patterns to expand his search. Okay. It started with national parks. Then the second phase of it was identifying similar disappearance clusters 
around major bodies of water. Specifically, you'll see lakes, the Great Lakes, and parts of the eastern seaboard. And now where that actually gets super interesting, and another one of my personal hobby horses, is the intersection with the smiley face killer phenomenon and conspiracy. Yes, tell me, tell me more about this intersection. So, in the, well, through the 2000s, you know, the aughts, mm-hmm. the most recently past decade, there were totally unexplainable disappearances and drownings of otherwise healthy, intelligent, and socially upwardly mobile young men around bodies of water. And when okay. they would find the bodies at all, they would have, you know, no sort of drugs in their system. They'd all, almost all, typically been drinking, but not to a point where it was toxic or they were deeply intoxicated. And the bodies, when they, the bodies that were found, you know, in the instances where a body was found, mm-hmm. they would have only been in the water for a day or two, despite having been missing four, five days a week. So it's like someone or something was abducting them sure. and then dumping them in bodies of water. And now in up to, it's like 60 or so percent of these cases, you would find smiley face graffiti, you know, within like a half mile radius of the dump site in the instances where a body is found. Okay. And now that project, that sort of research project is being spear pointed by two ex-NYPD detectives. And I don't have a lot of confidence in them. They seem a little griftery to me. <laughs> but at the sure. same time, you know, it's a real phenomenon. And I know it's real because it happened several times in La Crosse, Wisconsin, a city near where I grew up. Interesting. Yeah. So, so when people find this smiley face graffiti. I mean, is this, you know, I I don't see it so much anymore, but I grew up in the eighties and nineties and, you know, you'd see smiley faces literally all over the place, spray painted in different varieties. Is, is this something like, were the smiley faces always similar when we say that they're near where the bodies were found? Are they like a mile away or were they like feet away from where the body was found? Can you tell us a little more about that? It's not like it was mere feet away, like carved into a tree right next to the dump site or anything, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's like in the quarter mile, half mile range where it would be nearby, but not immediately at the scene. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And so have you seen, sorry, go ahead. You can hand wave that a little bit and say, well, like you said, just the sheer volume of graffiti makes that so likely, oh, whatever. Mm -hmm. But you know, a lot of. A lot of conspiracy theory and a lot of what makes it interesting is just the fact that you do have to build these webs, that you have to be able to build a linkable case yourself. And while a lot of it does seem outlandish, eventually the burden of separate facts does create a weight of its own. You know what I'm saying? No, no, I I got you. Have you seen any pictures of the smiley faces that were found? Are they all similar? I have not personally. Okay. Um, Those... New York detectives, they put out a book. They do the talk radio circuit. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure there's probably examples in that. I haven't been able to get my hands on a copy of it to this point. But, you know, it's out there for people. Okay. So what about the ones that were near where you grew up? Have have you been to those locations? Yeah. I mean, I, (laughs) 
I have certainly been to the locations. It was years afterward. Mm -hmm. I was still fairly young when they were happening, so I didn't necessarily have the exposure to it yet. But, you know, I know the park where they were found. And in one case, I I actually know the extended family of one of the victims. Oh, wow. Yeah. Are, Are you comfortable talking about that a little bit? I mean, there's not much to say. You know, okay. he was out He was out drinking in downtown La Crosse one night. He got separated from his friends and then was found drowned in the Mississippi. But the problem is he hadn't had enough to drink that you'd think he'd be able to trip and fall into the river, you know? Sure. Like, that's the problem. It's one thing to have two beers and take a walk in the park. It's another thing to have two beers, trip and fall in a river, and be found dead. So when he got separated, was uh, was was there anybody else that like came into the group, you know, that kind of maybe separated him, or do they turn around and like five minutes later, man, Joe's gone? Yeah, that's one of the common threads in these particular instances. They just straight up disappear. You know, huh. you'll walk around a corner with them; they'll be in the back of the group, and then they never come around the corner. Sort of deal. Interesting. And I'm not saying that's what happened in that very particular right. case, but it's that sort of phenomenon where they gotcha. just up and vanish. Interesting. Okay. So is any of the graffiti still there in these locations where they found them originally? Yeah, I've, um, having been at some of the sites, I've never seen it. I'd assume it all gets covered up pretty fast. Sure. You know, whether that's intentional or just regular city municipal maintenance, you don't leave graffiti around too long if you've got free money to throw it, cleaning it up. Right, right. So, what are some of your speculations on this? Where I mean, is this, you know, is this just aliens abducting drunk guys or is there something more nefarious at play here? Is it like, you know, the government and some top secret program that hasn't been uh, released yet? Do you have any ideas? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's what some people like to speculate. And myself personally, I want to believe that there's something more sinister at work. Mm-hmm. And I made this point to our dear friends at the Friends Against Government the first time oh, yes, I talked the to them about it. You know, they had this, or I proposed this theory, that there's no reason it couldn't be a cult network of abductions. If you think about the Blue Whale cult in Russia, where it's literally a suicide cult for teens distributed through a phone app and group chats... Why is it so crazy to think that in a nation of 300 million, there could be a few hundred or even as many as a couple thousand people running an organized abduction ring around bodies of water for whatever ends? You know, just the sheer math demands that it be a possibility because you have enough weirdos in a nation with this high a population density. Hmm. So I, I absolutely believe there's something sinister to it how it's organized, why it's organized. Literally no one can answer that except for the people doing it. But just like I said, the sheer weight of numbers, I think demands that there be something weird actually going on. So are these deaths still occurring or was this just for a specific time frame? and they began, they ended and that was it. Or are they still happening today? So the, like most phenomenon, it always seems to surge when there's public interest around it, mm-hmm. and that in turn leads to false positives and whatnot. Sure. But if you really train yourself to watch local newspapers and things happening in those areas, 
you will still see cases crop up, you know, periodically every few months. And I think what we should really examine in regards to that specifically is instances where they're not necessarily attributed to the same phenomenon, but they're also very similar. And I want to bring this up. I talked about this in another different episode of the Friends Against Government. There's the Bridgewater Triangle out on the East Coast in Massachusetts, I mm-hmm. believe it is. Or maybe it's Maryland either. Somewhere it's, in the it's middle all of the Eastern same to me. Seaboard. Yeah, basically. And there were a string of satanic murders there, or satanic attributed murders there, in the late 80s. And I have to think, you know, it doesn't all necessarily have to be the same organization, but here you see it again. Weird disappearances and murders near a body of water that fit the same general pattern, but they were in a different time period, and that they have an actual alleged group behind this one. Sure. So, you know, whether it's just some people being drawn to this weird pattern or template, or whether it's one organization, there's obviously something afoot that would happen then then happen again recently and who knows if it'll happen again in another wave in the future sure okay so i have one more question about that but i, I want to come back to that satanic angle um sure so i don't know if i'm sure you've heard of this but there was this wave of or maybe they're still occurring i'm not sure these findings of of people's feet on the west coast is that yeah in any way yeah, related I heard to the, the smiley face killer or, or whatever, you know, the smiley face cons- conspiracy? Um, or is that a completely separate thing? And if you know anything about that, please please enlighten the, the hosts uh, of this show, please. So I will say that I wish I knew more about it. Okay. I know the instances you're talking about, and it's it's just freaking weird, right? Yeah, well, like, wasn't, there, the wasn't there an occurrence where they, you know, ID'd the foot? And then they found the guy, and the guy had both of his feet? Yeah, it's possible there was. I don't think I even know the details of that, but if you do, I'd love to hear it. That's about as far as I get. And I don't know if maybe I read that somewhere else and it was like, you know, fan fiction or something like that. But um, I mean, I seem to remember that that being the thing, that that they did a DNA uh, analysis of of one of the feet or something like that. And uh, lo and behold, they, they figured out who it was. But when they found the guy, he had two feet. Yeah, you know, I don't think we can even rule it out. That's the sort of exactly the high strangeness that we talk about, right? Sure. I mean, there's instances of actual raining of blood and raining of frogs and random animals. Sure. So why is it so outlandish that if a, a foot manages to wash up on shore and you confirm it's a real foot, compared to every other weird thing that happens in the world, is it really a stretch to say... Yeah, it belongs to someone. We know who it belongs to, but they've already got two feet. Right. You know, as weird as that is, that's not the weirdest thing that we know for a fact happened in human history. Yeah, not when you've got dogmen running around out there. Well, exactly, right? (laughs) So, yeah, I don't know that there's a connection, but that's just because I don't know enough about it. Sure. But I'll say this. Any listeners of your show who do know something about that wave of feet washing up, please reach out to me if you want to talk about it, because I do think it's fascinating. Yes, and me too, because we will have you back on the show with whoever that is that knows something about it. Absolutely. Okay, so so back to this uh, satanic angle. 
for the, the smiley face conspiracy. I read an article a while back, and I don't remember if maybe this was something that you brought up on the show that kind of spurred me to look into it, or if maybe it was just a, a news release, you know, on a weekend somewhere. But I read an article or several articles that may have come out, you know, a year or two back, something like that, um, about Mariah Carey's sister. Do you know anything about this or where I'm going with this? I don't, but I'm begging you, please enlighten me. Okay. Mariah Carey's sister? Yeah, so Mariah Carey apparently has an older sister and I believe an older brother. Um, Several years back, the the sister came out and said that their parents, or at least their mother, um, was sort of like, I don't know if she was like a priestess or somehow involved in the leadership of a coven on the East Coast. And that the sister herself, and I'm, I'm, I'm very tired and my memory is terrible anyway, so I'm an, I'm an old man, but, um, I believe she was at a ritual sacrifice where a child was sacrificed and she was freaking out obviously cause she was a small child. And so her little sister, Mariah, who was like a baby at this time was apparently not at, uh, at this ceremony, if you will, but to sort of shush the child, uh, you know, the, the mother or some other person in, in the, the cult or coven or whatever said, Hey, if you don't calm down or if you tell anybody about this, this is going to happen to Mariah. So you better, you know, shape up or bad things are going to happen. So, you know, it seems relatively credible in the articles that I've read. And she even goes as far as to say that, uh, you know, Hey, I can, the house that we used to go to in the middle of the night, it's, it's almost like this eyes wide shut Illuminati type thing. Right. Um, or maybe it was Illuminati. I, I don't even know. Um, it, it sounds a lot like this where you wake up in the middle of the night and you have to go to the ceremony and then lo and behold, somebody's getting sacrificed and then everybody goes home. Right. Um, or there's some orgy or whatever. Um, but she's, you know, in, in all these articles saying, Hey, I can, I can take you to the house or the church or wherever this thing happened. The the problem is that she, I believe, had, I don't know, drug or alcohol problems. So that automatically discredits her. I think because of the drug problems, she has AIDS now. Um, so it's sort of like this, you know, it allows people to question, well, is she just a crazy person trying to get money? Um, or did these things actually happen? And maybe the powers that be caused her to go in this direction through you know, ritualistic torture and uh, breaking her mentally or by setting her up for failure to make sure that she's not in the limelight like her sister. Yeah. See, man, you absolutely nailed it there, right? <laughs> I mean, we know that there's real evil out absolutely. there in the world. And we know that these networks exist among the rich and powerful. How many of them need to get busted up before people face the fact that it's literally an epidemic in the self-appointed ruling class. Sure. Whether it be Britain, whether it be the US during the Franklin scandal, whether it be the Epstein network. Sure. That's already left the news cycle so conveniently. Yep. We know for a fact that the rich and powerful love to abuse children. Is it so much of a stretch that they, you know, even accidentally, let alone intentionally kill a couple of them? Right, and that's that's the thing if if you know, it's almost like we've we're, we're reserved to the fact now that oh, rich and powerful people are perverts and they abuse and possibly murder children. It's it's almost like it's a step too far to then say that's because they're a part of an evil organization or several evil organizations 
that does this ritualistically. Like that, that makes you a weird and crazy person. But if you acknowledge right. that it happens, well, that's just normal. That's, that's kind of the strange thing to me. Yeah. And it honestly, it frustrates me so much. I mean, there's the, uh, turn of phrase stranger than fiction, right? The truth is sure. stranger than fiction. And that's, it's so absolutely true though. You couldn't make that up if it weren't actually happening. It's just so weird and so outlandish. But again, it goes back to the sheer volume of separate evidence. Yeah, it's not all necessarily linked, but it's just happened so many times in so many places. And we know it was also a practice historically that why would it have changed? Sure. It doesn't even have to be the same organization, though it certainly even could be. You know, these people all know each other. They all hang out with each other. So, you know, it's really not a stretch in my mind. Though, of well, course, never, I'm the crazy one, right? <laughs> so what's that? I said, though, of course, I'm the crazy one, right? Exactly. That's what I mean. And, you know, never never mind the, the history of, you know, JPL and NASA and all this and Jack Parsons and the Babylon working. But, you know, right. you, you start bringing shit like that up and people go, oh, man, you're, you're talking crazy now. And it's like, well, no, this, this shit's documented. Like, it's in books. They, they did these things because they were... Uh, you know, Luciferians or satanic or whatever, whatever you want to describe them yeah. as. Or did you see that NPR article that came out just the other day? I did not. Talking about uh, uh, Project MK Ultra. I did, I did not see that. Yeah. I mean, for the longest time, we were told, people like us were told we were crazy for thinking that the CIA was giving people acid to try and control their minds. Mm -hmm. And now NPR, a government-funded radio network, is literally just out there talking about it as a historical fact. When <laughs> people were yelling about it for decades. Right. And yet, you know, these people are still the crazy ones. Right, right. Yeah, well, well they were know, right. They were just right a couple decades before the public was ready to hear it from yeah, their batteries. 20, 20 years ago, you start saying things like, well, that's just MK Ultra," And people go, ah, that's, that's like the switch for them, right? Like, oh, man, you've, you've gone too far. It's just made up. That's bullshit. But yeah, it's it's real. Yeah. Again, the, the documents have right. been released out there. Right, and now it's just there. being publicly acknowledged. And yeah. you see that more and more and more all the time. And it it drives me up a wall again. I know I said that earlier, but it really does. It's so frustrating. Since we're here, pause. Is there a a certain colored thread that runs through all these occurrences, whether it be uh, the, the smiley face conspiracy, uh, you know, the dog man, any of these mysterious happenings and, and spooky things that, that go on in the world is there are they all somehow related yeah so whether or not they are i think it's important to be always completely vigilant for connections because you never know when they're going to crop up and i think what you're alluding to is my use on social media of the uh hashtag or saying there's a scarlet thread i absolutely and am <laughs> that originally comes from a sherlock holmes story where he talks about a scarlet thread of murder running through history. Mm -hmm. And it's been adopted at various points by various other conspiracy theorists to talk about, oh, there's a scarlet thread connecting everything. And I'm just the latest to use that turn of phrase, but I really like it because I really think it's accurate, you know? Scarlet being near the color of blood and a thread being something so vulnerable but still strong enough to connect, you know, everything you run it to. I think it's a really good turn of phrase and, you know, it's just a good piece of branding. So pause, I, we've, we've covered a lot. So 
I know we didn't have much of a plan heading into this, but uh, is there anything else that you want to cover that we didn't quite get to? As far as topics or things that I've really been itching to talk about, mm-hmm. uh, there's nothing really in particular, but I'll sit here and I'll shoot the shit with you about just about anything you want to talk about. To any other content creators out there, I'll plug for just a moment. Get in Please touch do. with me. You know, I'll come on your show. I'll come on your shows and I'll talk about anything you want to talk to me about. You know, I love doing this. I love that I've been able to be given a niche in this sort of podcasting community by you and by Bird on my own podcast. Going back to my first appearance on the Damn Woods, shout out to those guys. Jake and Oz are fantastic. But yeah, I mean, if you or if anyone else in the podcasting world wants to talk weird shit, just hit me up anytime. Uh, Dogman Respector on Twitter. And, you know, final plug while we're sort of on that topic. On my Twitter page, there is a PayPal link for anyone who wants to make a donation to the research. I'm not an e-beggar by any means, but hey, if you want to pay for a park pass and send me somewhere, or if you want to help me upgrade my equipment at any point, no obligation, but it's there for people who do. Well, pause. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We will definitely have you back, man. As things get weirder and weirder, I, I know there will be additional topics for us to discuss. So, and again, if anybody's out there that knows anything about these uh, topics or beings or creatures or cryptids that we've discussed or conspiracies, um, and you think we've missed something, let pause know, let me know, feel free to come back on our show, go on pause's show. You know, we just, we just want to bring all this shit to light. Pause. Especially the feet thing, especially that feet thing. If you know anything about (laughs) it, get a hold of me. Yes. Yes. If you're out there and you know about missing feet, please let everybody know about this because we want to talk to you a little bit more. So anyway, guys, you know what to do. Uh, like, subscribe, tell your mom, tell your dad, tell the dog man. We need more listeners. Everybody bring a friend. Pause. Thanks again. We'll see y'all later. Peace. Cross the 57 Chevy with a hillbilly band. Had a little honky tonk filled with one night stands. Take a tell him fire with a gun so steel. In dark house space just to seal the deal. Better watch your back Cause it's hot rods faster than your Cadillac